Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Welcome to 2018. We promised you something special and now we are delivering. Hey, Chris, how's it going? That's what we're delivering. We're delivering John and I back on an intro for the first time in like five years. Even though it's via Skype, but that's okay. The magic Uh, of editing, people might not even know. Yeah. So anyways, we're keeping this quick. We're going to give you a two-part series on our 2017 recap, as well as all of the listener questions that came in. We will be answering those as well. Before we get into that, if you are a fan of the show, we really want to talk to you. We've got some plans, thanks to former guest Steve McKee. Be sure to email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And we still have stickers, too. So if you are a super fan Go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of that review, send it to us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com, and we will send you a handwritten thank you note and a sticker. We're going to get into this episode, which is John and I sitting in his home studio, drinking a little bit of bourbon, recapping recapping 2017, and having some fun, something that uh, we haven't done in a while on the show. So as Chris mentioned, this is our 2017 year in review and listener questions, We're giving you a two-part series. The first one's going to be diving straight into the questions. Second will be a continuation of those questions. And then we'll go through our 2017 guest list and just give a quick synopsis of each episode. 
So make sure to download the next in this series and enjoy. So here's the point of this episode. We sent an email out to those of you signed up to the newsletter, which you can find at smartpeoplepodcast.com. And we said, what questions do you have? And so we received more than we thought, as we mentioned, and they break down into, let's call it five categories. Here's what they are. Actually, John, will you, will you tell us what they are? What are we dealing with? All right. We're going to talk about podcasting as a profession, podcasting as a hobby, smart people podcast, success, opinions on things that people for some reason wanted to know from us. And then a couple questions on politics. Not a shocker for 2017. Really? We have a lot of questions on politics? Oh, we have a couple. Yeah. Let's start with questions about kind of the greater theme of Smart People Podcast. Question number one, what do you dislike most about podcasting? I cannot wait to hear your answer. We do not talk about these things. I have a love-hate relationship with editing the podcast Mm. because it's so manual and meticulous and it takes it takes a good amount of time but there's almost like this this feeling of accomplishment and creating art i know that sounds super corny putting the episode together but i do think i do think the amount of time that it takes away from doing other valuable things Mm -hmm. is the thing that i dislike the most You ever stop and pause while you're editing and realize how good you've gotten at recognizing things via their audio profile? Oh, I could could edit an episode without actually listening to it. Right. That's my point. So I know when there's an um. I know what an um in terms of, of, what do you call that? The waveform. The waveform. I know what it freaking looks like. No, absolutely. It's, It's so funny. You can tell... You can tell by the waveform where people are tripping over things. You can tell the ums. You can tell filler things. You can tell lip smacks. Yeah. Which, look, I have plenty and we leave some in. We don't edit a lot out, but it's it's more just making an episode out of it. But man, it's crazy when you when you do that. Let's turn that around to you. What do you dislike about podcasting? I'm going to be honest. I Scheduling and scheduling like we've talked for a long time we could get somebody to do these things like the scheduling but there's nuances to it we don't like to give up control we're like the worst at that agreed Um, agreed because of having built this from nothing i just making sure i don't miss a podcast episode like oh i slept in and missed one the the day i have off you know and i have to think about oh Make sure I check that. I, there's just something about scheduling that bugs me. Yeah, and maybe that's what I don't like about the editing piece is it creeps into personal time. No, that's not the same thing. You just told me that you were sleeping yeah, yeah, and didn't but, want to sleep. But you, you can schedule editing. You know when our episodes go out, when I can edit, right? So yeah. it's every Sunday night, I'm going to edit. Boom, or Monday, whatever, right? I'm going to edit. But for me, it could be... Tuesday, I need to be on an episode. It could be Wednesday at 8 a.m., Thursday at 6 p.m., right? But aren't you scheduling those? Yeah, of course I'm scheduling them, but I don't schedule them on the same day, same time because I have to work with people. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a moving target. It's just one more moving target. Yep. No, that makes sense. I'd say that. That makes sense. Good question. All right, next question. What is the number one skill you utilize at your career 
that you gained from podcasting? There's a lot. I mean, given what I do for a career, it's listening. It's real, like the ability to truly listen to someone without trying to formulate a response. You know what I mean? You know how we do that as humans? Like when somebody's talking, all we do is think of what we're going to say next. Well, many people don't know this, but I do not pre-prepare many questions. I really don't. And so what the podcast is allowed is I just hear them. I really sink into what they're saying. And due to my curiosity, I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh man, I want to know more. And sometimes it comes out in a poorly formed question. Like that's one of the things I think our podcast differs a little bit is it's not this perfectly scripted Instagram world of questions, but I think the skill anyways is I will hear you and really focus on you. And then when you're done, basically continue that conversation. All right. This is going to be so lame and unplanned, but mine is the exact same. Really? Yeah, it's unplanned. Yes. So one of the things that I think about and reflect on for my job now, when I was leading a team, there'd be a lot of times that I would just sit and listen. And often some of my team members would just be like, are you going to say something? And I'd be like, no, I'm going to keep listening to what you have to say. And then we need to think about it. And I'll either give you some feedback or an opinion or come back to you on things. And it made me sit there and instead of like trying to give an answer right away, because that that was my personality before was That's everybody's personality. Some, of course, the vast majority. Yeah, of course. Somebody somebody would say something and you want to immediately respond to sound like you know what you're doing. But sometimes you don't know. Sometimes. And yeah. Most literally of the time. most of the time. <laughs> most of the time you don't know and you need to think about it. You just have to sit there and listen, really take it in. It's a great point, Roach. All right, moving on. What was your most surprising lesson of 2017? How do you have a surprising lesson? Like something you learned that you didn't think you would learn? No, I'm serious. I, I feel like every, every lesson you learn has to be a surprise because otherwise you've already learned it, right? Touche. I think the most surprising lesson for me has been the value of talking to other people and truly listening to them. I mean, when you think about the political landscape of 2016, 2017, and just what's going on in the US, it's it's crazy and it's really important to, to sit back and think like, I should listen to other people. I should figure out like what we're both trying to say, that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's a, a cop out because that's not directly from the podcast, but listening to all the interviews of the podcast just reinforces and reminds me how important it is to listen to other people because other people's opinions matter and their thoughts matter and you might disagree, but still matters. You know what surprised me actually is, and I think it's been a long time coming, but you and I are really coming into our own, I think as professionals, like reaching a level of leadership, if you will, or thought leadership or whatever it might be. I used to put smart people on a pedestal, not mm. the podcast, but the people themselves, right? right. I don't anymore. I've, I've learned about smart people. They tend to be thoughtful, but mostly driven and resilient. So they decide they want to focus on something and they just do. So what makes them truly smart is focus and persistence. 
And so my surprising lesson was I have as much to offer the world as almost anyone we've interviewed. I say almost because some people are just on another level, but the differentiator is their willingness to focus on a singular goal, task, idea, and really make it come to life. So I've got a lot to learn and a lot to work on, but doesn't make anyone better. And I think that goes for everyone. Like you listen to the show, you listen to people, you listen to smart people. Some of you already know what I'm saying, but they're not, no one's better than you. You just have to be willing to put the time in and then make it a cogent message that other people are willing to, or want to listen to. All right. What cool. do we go next, Roach? Who is your favorite guest and why? Of 2017? No, let's say the entire podcast. Ever? Ever. Oh, boy. It's, I don't love this question because I feel like I've answered it before and I don't like giving the same thing. Like, I almost want to get other people credit. Who's your favorite? I don't even know why this is the case, but I'm going to go with Brene Brown. I don't, I don't know why. It's just the, the message of like the permission that she gives. I feel like she's one of the most authentic people. I've ever talked to and yeah that's it short and simple Brene what about you mine's been the same since we had the person on the podcast Alexis Ohanian yeah created reddit drove me towards GA told me that I should be looking into web development kind of gave me that permission to to get out of consulting and into an industry that I wanted to be in and I don't see that changing and he married Serena Williams yeah I mean that's pretty cool too well done Alexis he's, he's a cool he's a cool guy actually you know what there was a tweet that Anil Dash put out. Who? Anil Dash. So Anil put out this this tweet where he said, who is responsible for getting you and helping you into the position that you're in right now? And it really went viral. It went viral on Twitter, LinkedIn, all these different places. And I actually tweeted thanking Nathan Bashaw, Alexis Ohanian, and some other folks from like the consulting world without their Twitter handles. And the only two people that liked the tweet were Nathan and Alexis. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Okay. Next. What topic would you like to cover in 2018? Cryptocurrency done. Yeah. yeah? Yes, absolutely. See, this is where I struggle, right? I, I'm so you're right. I mean, you're right. Like, I want to know more about that. You want to know more about that. The world wants to know more about it. So go for yeah. it. You know who's going to be on for a third time? Jonathan Levy. Yes. Get on here. Let's baller. talk cryptocurrency. He'd be on here. He'd of course on he here. would. Yeah. We love him. Smart guy. He's the one that convinced us to buy Bitcoin at, I mean, he convinced us via his Facebook messages, but like, yeah. Do we, do we want to talk grand? about, four grand? do we want to talk about the time that a very, kind and thoughtful listener in 2013 gave us a Bitcoin as a donation and it was worth $103. Let's talk about that. When he donated it, it was worth $103. He gave us $100? Yep. Bitcoin dropped to 86. So we we sold it. And uh, a week ago, it was $19,000. You know what's crazy? Somebody essentially donated $19,000 if you look at it. That's a whole nother thing about like (laughs) Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because you can't put real thought and like wrap your mind around that because it is it's absolutely absurd yeah so i'm gonna go off the beaten path a little bit what topics do i want to cover in 2018 or just topic one topic yep one topic you know what i think 2018 for me is going to be the the year of health like obviously that's at the core of a lot of me and everybody that knows the nonprofit i helped start and all that 
And so I think exploring self-quantification, I'm, I'm into that. I'm getting into that. All right, next. What was the best piece of advice or information you personally gained from one of your shows? All right, I got one. Simon Sinek, one of my favorites. And he explained how many people experience fear and excitement the same way. So what I mean is he told a story about how extreme athletes experience the same sensations as some people do when they're fearful, but they call it excitement. And so every time I felt nervous or fearful, and I do a lot of speaking, speaking on stage, speaking all these things, I will think, you know what, is this excitement or is this fear? And typically it's excitement and that changes the game. So for me, that was one that has always stuck with me. What about you? For the sake of time and also because it's a real answer, best piece of advice goes back to my favorite guest, Alexis Ohanian, said, follow what you actually want to do. No, don't give the follow your passion speech. Because you are so interested in technology and development, you need to be in that. Mm. Why aren't you in it? Do you think he more just gave you permission? Are you doing a play on words? Because his book's called Without Their Permission. (laughs) And that book was about this generation not having to need permission to build companies, to start things Hmm. because the barrier, like the barriers were no longer there, right? You needed to buy a website and you needed to be able to do coding and other things to start a business. So it was, Hey, we can do, we can start these big million billion dollar companies and we don't need anybody's permission. All right. Next question. If you could interview anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? You know what makes the answer to that tough is the living or dead. But honestly, gosh, I'm just going off the top of my head. I really, really want to interview Tony Robbins. Like, I really do. Mainly because I find him a divisive person in the sense that, like, I love him, but I know people that do not at all. So I'm going to go with two. I'd say Tony Robbins living and Charles Darwin dead. And the reason I'm actually reading a book about Darwin, this book is questioning evolution, which I know is crazy. I'm not like whatever, but we take dead people as like these brilliant can't be wrong. But in reality, in life, while they're alive, if you met them, you'd be like, you have your faults, you have your issues, and we wouldn't take their word as gospel. So there we go. Darwin and Robbins. Odd. Go for it. You, Roach. Barack Obama. Barry. I I am Res- so yeah, good answer. I am so enamored by that man just because he is such a eloquent thinker yeah. and speaker. He speaks very slow and you can see him thinking about the next words coming out of his mouth. Yeah. There are purpose behind every single one of those words. So I feel the conversation would be amazing. We just lost 10% of our That's fine. It is fine. You want to know why? I think, let's get political. I think he'll go down as one of the top five presidents of all time. I think this gets back to what you were just saying, though, because we put presidents that are no longer alive almost in this god or superhero stature. And you sit here and you say, is Barack Obama a better president than Abraham Lincoln? 
Thomas Jefferson. And if you truly lived during the time of those people, how many faults would you know? Absolutely. That's my point. No, in the future. Like, I think who knows when I just think the history books, but this is, that's a ridiculous statement for me to make. I have nothing to back it up. So don't, I just have a feeling I would put money on that. I I do think that I'll put a Bitcoin on that. (laughs) Is it me? Yeah, it's me. I know this is one of your favorites in building smart people podcast. What has been your favorite failure? This is my favorite. I know. And I want to explain why it's my favorite first. I think that failure is such an important thing and is a thing that should be celebrated. There are so many things that we can list from this. List them. I'm curious. I'm as curious to know your answers to these questions as the listeners. I really am. I, I Having think... known you for 22 years. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm interested. I think my favorite failure is the number of pivots or things that we've tried to do that haven't been successful. So name two. Doing the mastermind. Yep, and this obvious. this one blows my mind because when we decided that we had failed, we said, "All right, we're going to give everybody their money back." And we initiated refunds. And there were people that said, I don't want my refund, keep the money. And I think that was such an eye-opening thing for us because while we thought we had failed, there was there was something there for certain people that we had succeeded. The failure there and why it opened my eyes is you need to talk to people, not just have your own opinion, right? Like we thought, oh, this thing stinks. We need to wrap it up. Well, no, I didn't think it stunk. I really didn't. I didn't. Dude, we, I don't know we why did the we webinars. We did the webinars. We stopped because we thought, oh, there's only 30 people that signed up. Mm, good we, point. You know, but in reality, that was actually, and everybody has said, a great conversion rate. Yeah. Just, no. Well, conversion rate's the wrong, wrong way to put it. But, you know, you guys put out a beta, not even a beta. What comes before beta? Alpha. Your alpha. What comes before alpha? Zeta? Nothing. Yeah. Well, like the worst. You guys put out some, and, and X amount of people bought in, like hundreds actually showed interest so i i don't think it was i actually really liked the product it was just we're constantly balancing family real careers like things that support us and a hobby that we're passionate about and the amount of time was it was like oh we're putting 40 hours a week into this web this um mastermind yeah and it's gonna make 200 dollars a month no but honestly I, that's what it was so that was that's why it was my favorite who was yours? I said, name, I said name two. All right. Number two, figuring out how to do marketing. We don't know. The reason that it's my one of my favorite failures is it's something that I know either myself, you, us as a as a group need to get better at. So from that perspective, I'm excited to learn how to how to better market ourselves and our product and have smart people podcast grow from that. That's a really good point. All right, your turn. What is your favorite failure from smart people podcast? You know what my favorite failure is, man? And and people are going to be like, oh, it's a cop out. We had a terrible launch. You know how people build like launch plans? I'm going to market. I'm going to pair group. I'm going to mass email. I'm going to Facebook ad. I'm going to all these campaigns. You know what we did? I am going to put this on iTunes and, by the way, this is a true story, not tell anyone. Do you remember that? 
No, we told people. We no. started. No, Here's we didn't. Thing. No. Yes, we did. No. We, we started our no. Facebook page. We started our Twitter account. Nope, you're the wrong. The same time. Nope, you're the wrong. The same time. I'll bring up Twitter. Bring it up. And you it'll say, why? when did you start this account? It'll be December 2010. We we said, let's put it out there and not tell anyone we know. Because if it's terrible, we don't want them to hear it. Am I wrong? No, that part is true. But we made we made social media accounts. I think after iTunes we picked us up. We didn't know how to use them. So my point is, Still. we launched with the purpose of not telling people. We literally did the anti-launch. Yeah. It's like, hey, what's the purpose of launching? Get people to find you. What is our launch? Don't get anyone to find us. Yet, it's turned into what it is because of, I think, our foresight in the industry, like what podcasting is going to become, our authenticity, and curiosity. And so it was a failure. I mean, we launched terribly. Everyone markets better than us, all that. But we did it. And I'm not going to go give that BS thing of like, ship it, blah, blah, right? I'm not going to go to that Silicon Valley nonsense. But what I will say is if we would have put too much thought into it or maybe any thought, we would not have done it. All right. So you're kind of harping a little bit on our success there, which no, no, no. No, takes I'm us not. to the perfect segue. Okay. It was a failure, but moving still. on. To success. Okay. On to success. John thinks that like you guys are all getting bored. You probably are. It's fine. All right. So let's move on to a few questions we have that have to do with success. I think I know who this is from. What are your top goals for 2018? I'd like one from both John and Chris. You know why I really love this question? I don't think enough people take it seriously. I don't think enough people ask themselves this because what it causes me to do is reflect on the goals I've set and where I am now. And I actually think I really do for the first time in my life, 2017 was a year where I met my ultimate goals. What were those goals? I need to know. Honestly, man, it was things like be happy with your day to day, wake up and not despise the job you're going to. And we know that this is true because you're still at your job and you have been one to say, screw this job. Oh yeah. I'm going to hike the Colorado trail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. And, and I'm saying to find a job where you like wake up and sometimes maybe the majority are excited and then feel like you're adding value to me. That's just, it's the ultimate. Like I think of life oftentimes in Maslow's hierarchy and growing up as you and I did in middle class, or I feel like we had so many of those bottom layers met that we are allowed and privileged to search that upper layer, but is also very difficult. And it's plagued me for over a decade. And so anyways, 2017, it was like, not just feel comfortable with work and happiness, but being able to provide for a family, um, health, you know, so many things that you have to stop and say, I did it. You have to celebrate those things. We never do that, man. Right. But to be fair, the question is, what is your top goal for 2018? Great point. My whole thing was just to not always be forward focused. Every, everything we learn in the world is forward focused. And that was pre, you know, that, all I'm saying is what I have accomplished. But for 2018, continuing this trend of work for me and I want to be more of a creator. I honestly, my goal for 2018 is to have a very clear picture 
and working towards the picture of what this podcast and myself as an entrepreneur will become. So I'd say the goal is to be even more focused on what I personally want to be responsible for in this world and taking action on it. I don't have specifics around it yet. I'm working on them, but that's what it is. Take it or leave it. All right, here's where I am with this question. The one thing that I focused 1% of my time on in 2017 was health. And the only reason that I focused that amount of time was because I messed up my shoulder and went to physical therapy. So all of the exercise and stuff that I did for my health was due to physical therapy. But I would like to focus 2018 to get in a better spot in terms of my in terms of my health. That's going to the gym, getting in shape, all that kind of stuff. Plus, I got a wedding coming up in June. So, I was going to say, you know. would a goal be your wedding? Yeah. Would a goal be to marry someone? But no, no, no. The goal that I had for this year was to allow that to happen and propose to her. And I accomplished that. Right. Well done. So I think for, for 2018, I do want to focus on health, getting better at that, getting back in shape again, because I'm completely I'm, out I'm of really shape. I'm really curious, actually, when you think about health, there's what, what does that mean? What are the pillars? I'm, I'm going to break this down as simple as possible. Yeah. It's exercising. Really? Okay, see, that's different because than health. I think that a lot of stuff comes, if you exercise, you feel better about yourself and you start thinking like, I should eat better. I should have like, yeah, sure. I should do better things. It's a conduit. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if I don't do the exercise piece, then all that other stuff is just like, eh, who cares? So. All right, next question. What if you realize in old age that you yourself are the real cause of your downfall. Holy shit, I feel like we have to play like a screeching sound right here, right? <laughs> yeah. It just was uh, in some like narration over it. This is my greatest fear. Can you explain this one to me? You understood this question right off the bat. I'm still struggling with it. What does it mean? So in your mind, what if you get to a certain age and you look back and you reflect on everything and for the longest time, you've been saying that you haven't been able to do these things because of A, B, and C preventing you. And then when you start to really think about it, it wasn't A, B, and C. It was you, right? Like, what if it was you the entire time that was holding you back from doing those things that you were capable of doing, that you wanted to do, that you were expected to do? Got it. Okay, go with the question then. This is one of those things where I think I think there's like books and movies where people have gone and and talked to people at retirement homes and on their deathbeds. Yeah, I was going to say we interviewed I mean right? Frank. Yeah. Oh, that that's right. That's why I interview our, those people. It was one of our interviews. So episode 278 is Frank Ostaseski, what death can teach us about living. And and go listen to that if this thing resonates with you. But here's the thing. The question is, what if you realize in old age that you yourself are the real cause of your downfall? And I'm going to be honest. My answer to this question is, I won't. I won't. Right. That's, I've lived that's... my entire life to make sure that this doesn't happen. I talk about it in a recent interview. I don't know if it's aired yet. But here's the thing. When I quit finance and moved to Arizona when, when we did, but 
to work in golf and make nine bucks an hour. When I went from that to a startup, when I went from a startup to a nonprofit, when I went from a nonprofit to podcasting to what it was all in the sense of I will die either tomorrow or in a hundred years, but I will. And I don't want to face that realization. So I feel like the answer to this question is, okay, look, I'm not old. I'm not on my deathbed. I mean, maybe I am, but I'm not on a bed, but let's not make this a reality. And that's how I got my life. And so I, I can't answer the question for the sense that I will say, I know I owned it. All the things I haven't earned were because of me and the things I have were because of luck and fate and skill and, and execution. Right. Right. I'll take ownership. So that's what I can say about that. I, I'm not willing to be that victim. And that's why this podcast is here. Like if this is you, wherever you are, realize you have tomorrow. And if you're lucky and you have tomorrow, then change it so that you can say, yes, maybe X amount of years were a struggle or difficult or not what I wanted, but I changed it. So that's my answer. All right. Curveball. This was a two-part question. Okay. Second part of the question was, how do I find meaningful work? Man, if I had the answer to that, I wouldn't have this podcast. But I will say, all that is at the core of everything we've done. I mean, behind the scenes, this will air before we ever do it, but we've been asking probably the last hundred people what success means and what advice they'd give their 20-year-old self. That's a spoiler if you're listening. And I want to put it together to answer this. So how do I find meaningful work? Let's not give a bullshit answer here. Let's not give the same thing you've heard everywhere, which you have. And here's what I believe it to be. Having kind of found that meaningful work, I never settled. Not only did I never settle, I never gave in to what everyone else was saying. I knew something about where I was didn't resonate with me. And even if by all standards, it wasn't the optimal choice, I made it anyways. I believe there's a quote I have, and it's the mind knows no answers and the heart knows no questions. And that's what I think about. It's you feel the direction you're supposed to go in. You don't think the direction you're supposed to go in. And so I would say, and that goes into, I'm not trying to do this. I was going to say, didn't you mention that to the, in the Mike Lewis episode? That was Mike Lewis. Yeah, it was. And See, I listen to these episodes you, you when I edit them. I am a listener. Yeah. And also episode 283, Philip Shepard, get out of your head and in your body. The reason I like that is I think our body knows more answers than we give it credit for. So I would say tune in to the answer you already know. Yeah. Meaningful work is only meaningful to you. You just have to basically listen to yourself where it's, what do I find meaning in? What do I think is meaningful? And do that. If you think it's it's meaningful to to be a clown and do kids shows like cool, do it, follow it, figure out how to do it. But nobody can tell you what's meaningful to you. You have to figure that out on your own and you have to ask yourself that question. Yeah. But your, your answer I think needs to be focused in on because what you're essentially saying is this idea that I think we put too much emphasis on meaning and relating it to societal meaning. Right. And even Steve McKee talked about like, be a little selfish, like what means something to you and then do that. And here's what will happen. You'll do it. You'll take that job, take that career whatever. And you'll feel, you'll feel this is right or this is wrong. And then just listen to that. Don't listen to all the other things. Or you could do it. It doesn't have to be a job. It doesn't have to be a career. 
It could just be a hobby. And as long as it's meaningful and it provides you with some level of happiness and meaning, like, go for it. All right. Next question. What is the one thing you have observed that successful people do every day, week, month? I feel like this is a medium post. I want to say the answer is breathe because, and I hope that's condescending and I hope people hate it. Because I don't I, hate it, dude. And I, I don't. I, I, I want to hate everything you say. I don't hate that. I actually. don't think that there is any one thing, two things, three things, four things that successful people all do. And you will find if you go on Medium and you look, here are the eight things that you need to do before 8 a.m. to become a billionaire, blah, blah, blah. I hate those posts because it is trying to provide people with a game plan or a formula for success. There is no formula for success. It is all dependent on like each person, their situation, where they are, all of those things. I think successful people have all gotten to where they are in different ways. And the only thing that is common is existing breathing. I was going to say, clarify that for me, but I, I knew where you're coming from, but it wasn't breathe as in like meditative. It wasn't mm. breathe as in like relax. It was like, what it is do the they have? one thing it that was, what everybody do they have does. together? They're alive. Yeah. Roach, I feel like that's one of the more poignant things you've said ever. Thank you. Sometimes you are just, I'm like, what's going on in your friggin' brain? Like I how, don't know. Like most seven of the time. iPhones are attached to your hip and you're just like, because you, <laughs> you, you can't focus. You know that, right? I have ADD, ADHD. Can I go off the, I don't want to answer this yet. I, because this is the point of this process. You guys ask us questions and I'm going to tell you what we've learned. Look, seven years, 300 episodes, people who have accomplished something, I have formulated thoughts. And let me tell you one that John just brought up for me. This is against what I should say as a content creator, but 90% of content you do not need to consume. Oh, you don't need to consume our podcast. No. Well, yeah, you don't need to. I, okay. Needs a bad word. You shouldn't consume. And as a content creator, that's not a good thing to say, but here's what I mean by this. People know, okay, I need your attention in order to fill in the blank, sell you something, be relevant, create a brand, be a thought leader, be a speaker. Okay. I need your attention. So they write things. Now I can't write something, even if it's good, I can't write something that's not catchy. So I have to make it catchy. So I have to create a problem for you. I have to tell you. Well, if you're not doing this, you're not successful. You're not real, right? So I have to create problems that you didn't know you had. Now you feel like you have them because you're reading my stuff. So what I would say is stop consuming things. That's my, and this isn't, this isn't anything. I mean, maybe it's related to the question, but my whole point is when you mentioned the medium stuff and we, you and I talked about this, I stopped consuming a lot of information because not just the fear of missing out, but the fear of being wrong, the fear of how many people are smarter than me, the fear of not doing enough. It was way too much. And that's because content creators are paid on their ability to capture your attention, which works best through fear. Agreed. Okay. That was a rant. Next. What is the one thing you have observed that successful people do every day, week, month, whatever? It's persistence. You know what they do? They do what they want to do. They do what they're doing. I know this sounds ridiculous and it's not quite what John was saying with the breathe and exist. And I'm not good at this, right? That's why I'm not super successful. Like it just is what it is. 
they have a singular focus. The people who have books and podcasts and money and businesses, if that's your thing, they pick the one thing and they freaking do it, man, all the time. They live it. Persistence. Now, I have kind of come to the conclusion that that's not necessarily me. I have varied interests. I have a family. I have friends. Like, I, I don't have the ability to sit in a room for 60 hours. So if I have to sacrifice monetary or public, you know, wealth for that, then I'm willing to, but yeah, it's a a trade off you're going to make, right? Like it's fine. Yeah. So that's it. All right. We made it through success. We made it through success. What's next? Chris. All right. We're going to go into opinion. So we're going to make things a little lighter here. What does that mean? What's opinion mean? What are we talking about? There's, there's just questions about our opinions on some things. We couldn't really figure out we what category to put these in. Okay. And the theme here is just opinion on, on a random thing. So the first question, I promised we would get to this. How do you feel about cauliflower crust pizza? That sounds disgusting. It's garbage. Okay. Next. What is something you thought would catch fire? An idea, product, etc. that hasn't? Snap spectacles. What the? What? You know, okay. Snap spectacles. Okay, I what the thought, heck is that? Come on, you know what these are. No, I literally don't. The Snapchat don't. glasses. No, I still don't know what that is. Are you kidding me? No. You know my social media. Oh my gosh. Chris doesn't know what a computer is. Anyway, <laughs> Snap spectacles are glasses that have a camera in the corner of it, and it was designed to, you'd wear these glasses and you could take Snapchat videos of the things that you were doing. And that they sounds were, awesome. They they are awesome. And Snap was super smart. And they did like a limited release. They had these like weird vending machines that you could buy them from. And they would only stock them at certain times and certain locations. And it failed? I don't know if it failed. They sold way less than they thought they were going to. But... I thought that it was such a good idea. And I and this is what caused Snap to go from Snapchat to Snap Inc. or whatever their name they're is not now. Called Snapchat anymore? No, they're the actual company's name is like Snap something. And it has to do with like photography and all this other stuff. And they became more than just the app Snapchat. Oh, my second answer for this is the Smart People Podcast Amazon link. SmartPeoplePodcast.com slash Amazon. Thought that would catch fire. It's only somewhat caught fire. Something I thought that would catch fire in 2017. This is going to be so funny because I'm like a neophyte. VR, dude. Like, where is it? Why don't I have it in my house? You don't have it in your house because you're not willing to pay for it right now. Yeah, shouldn't. I mean, they've been talking about it for 10 years. You can have it. it out. Yeah, I don't want $10,000. I it's want not- it now. How much are you willing to pay for VR? Is it good? Yes. No. Lies. Yes, it is. Lies. I promise you right now, you can go out and get an HTC Vive. You can go go out and get a PlayStation VR. You can go out and get an Oculus Rift. How much are you willing to pay for it? It depends on how good it is. All I know is... If it is good enough that you could put this thing on and be like, this is the coolest video game experience I've ever had in my life. I don't want a video game. I want something different. I want something really cool. Like... TV to be VR. I want to. I want to be in the middle of. I don't know Game if of Thrones. I don't know if they've done TV VR. Yet. Right. Well, that's my point. All right. 
Aren't so we supposed answer, to be have flying cars with answer, Jetsons and well, stuff yeah. right now? But answer this Can't question. Can you give me VR? If you could have VR. Virtual reality for those of you that are even worse than I am. If you could have VR Game of Thrones, how much would you pay for it? $10,000. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. Real, how good? How good is it? If No, realistically. Yeah, if I'm in the middle, like realistically, dragons no, and stuff, $10,000. The they're going to film this and they're going to film it using snap spectacles. No, I'm just kidding. But let's say they're going to film it wearing like so that it is point of view your point of view of Jon Snow or whoever else how much would you pay for it no I want to be fighting alongside him and then ten thousand dollars all right so you can I would be... take it from the smart people podcast account why would I'd make you it pay... a business expense all right you can't business expense this I want to know out of your pocket how much would you pay to have this happen three grand okay so right now you can buy VR systems for four hundred and seven hundred dollars that are fantastic. They're not good enough. It hasn't caught fire. Dude, the question was caught fire. Okay, moving on. What three books do you recommend for 2018? All right, three books I would recommend. It can only be three? I don't know. That's what the question was, man. We're at the whim of the listeners. Okay, my three books for 2018, and some of these are older, but that's okay. If you haven't read them, read them. Number one, Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. That book is amazing. Essentialism by Greg McCown. It's the disciplined pursuit of less. It's focusing on minimalism and is absolutely amazing. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's one of my favorite books. And then the last book is, again, another, I believe, guest that we've had on the show. And it pains me to say this because Pat Flynn also gave this as one of his favorite books. (sighs) But it's called The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More. Yeah. And change the way you lead forever. Guy's name. Michael Bungay Stanger. Michael Bungay Stanger. I remember him. Yeah, this great dude. book great dude. is amazing. Yeah, good And point. here's the thing. You went through coaching school, yeah. coaching certification, whatever that's called. Yeah, I'm a coach. Not everybody is a coach. Yeah, well, you should be. By profession. But everybody is a coach in life. If you're a parent, if you're in a relationship, if you're at a job, you're a coach. So read this book. It's fantastic. What about you? What are your three favorite? So first I'll say my favorite book of all time. It's actually a really easy, which it's hard to pick your favorites, right? It's like hard to pick your favorite movie. Your favorite, It's right? impossible. Right. Okay. Flow. Okay. And if you can say his name, I will give you a peanut butter cup from this bag. Okay, so I actually think I know how to pronounce it because I've referenced this a few times and it's Mihalai Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah, what he said. I'm pretty sure that's it. Mihalai Csikszentmihalyi. But flow the psychology of optimal experience. It's one of those but I'm a highlighter. Like I, the way I graduated college and John and I were roommates all through college, just so weird. But I could read a book, textbook, chapter, whatever, real real slow, you know, 3 minutes a page and highlight and think and I would have that information. That's how I learn. Real slow reading and highlight. So when I get a good book, I measure it by how much highlighting I have. The entire freaking book is yellow. It's seriously. just all yellow. Seriously, it's a yellow book. So flow, that's one. Two, Elon Musk inventing the future. So the book about Elon Musk. The reason is it's written really well, first of all. But second is I... My in you know this and many people listening, the nonprofit that I helped found, the CEO, the main brains behind it, was a former 
VP of SpaceX. So he worked with Elon Musk. So I know a lot about this guy. And he's a real dude. Like he's human, but he's also superhuman. I mean, seriously. And so anyways, in this book, you just learn some of the nuances. And I, I respect for whatever you don't like about him, however weird he is. And trust me, there's some things there. I do believe I'm good at judging intent. And I think his intent is so legit, so much that he wants to further our, our species. I agree. So Elon Musk. And third, this is a teaser. We'll probably release this episode early in January, but it's called What Doesn't Kill Us by Scott Carney. And this is that health kick I'm talking about. If you've ever heard of the Wim Hof method, it's this journalist, this guy, Scott Carney, who is is really good at debunking these gurus. And so he goes to debunk this guy named Wim Hof, who's a believer in cold therapy, meditation, how we can really change our autonomic nervous system. And long story short, as you'll hear in the episode, he goes to Poland and is part of this experiment with Wim. You're going to have to listen to the episode. But the book is What Doesn't Kill Us. And I mowed through that thing and then had him on the show. Sweet. I think it's mine now. Do you have kids? Uh, I have one and a half kids. Can you have a half a kid? You yeah, can. he's half a kid. He's, he's, he's literally like five is months. Is it a he? Oh, we don't know. It. No. So I have a two and a half year old and uh, another one on the way coming in a few months. How best do we raise kids? All right. So everyone who thinks about raising kids has very strong opinions. And I, I remember getting this email and first of all, feeling very thankful that somebody was just... I mean, this person clearly is going out of their way to be a good father. And so, although there's so many opinions, I think it comes down to two key factors. And I've learned this. Having a two and a half year old, the first one is you have to teach or train yourself to be less selfish. I feel like we spend so much of our life focused on ourselves. What do I want? What do I need to make? What do I need to do? What do I need to create or gain. And then you have a kid and all of that goes out the window. So you have to start removing yourself from the center of your galaxy. And I don't mean put your kid there. I just mean put the needs of others there, put the needs of your kid, the needs of your wife, significant other, baby mama, whatever you want to call them. So first thing, I think we need to be more selfless. The second thing is we need to be willing to educate ourselves on it while also listening to our gut. And here's what I mean. In this information society, there's so many tips, tricks. And trust me, I've interviewed people. You can go back. Heck, I'm going to go back for you on Raising Kids. Episode 247 by Paul Tuff, How to Raise Successful Kids. Episode 204, Dr. Stephen Camerata, How Not to Screw Up Your Kid. Episode 197, Kathleen McGinn, Is It Better or Worse to Be Raised by a Stay-at-Home Mom? Episode 117 and 118, somebody we really loved, Stephen Cohen, Fire Child, Water Child. So my point is, like, we've had a lot of people on the show because this is a unique, divisive, relevant topic. However, all of that needs to go into your brain, create an opinion, a unique thought process that matches your beliefs, and parent that way. Because in my opinion, the things that work for you are the things that work. 
And so we are, John, you and I are in a time when the vast majority of our friends have young kids. And so we'll talk about what works. And since we're all so close, I think we'll often understand like, oh, I can push back. That doesn't work for me. Right. But the thing that matters most to me is when I go home saying, does that work in my family? Does that work in my household? Does that match my values? So that's what I think. How about you, given your experience, your vast majority of experience in this? This one's so easy for me. I have no kids. I don't know the first thing about having kids. I'll only figure that out once I do have kids. But I I agree with Chris. Like All my friends have kids, and they all raise them very differently. And, And I would say none of them are wrong. I think they're all right because they are... They are raising this child in their likeness, what they think is good in the world. And I think that's the only thing that that you can do. And I think this is the only person that I actually want to to mention in terms of who sent us the email. But I, I will say, Eric, you specifically called out that you want to be the best role model that your family deserves. And I think having that framing you are going to raise your kids in that sense. And that's the best thing you can do for them. That's a really good, insightful point, Roach, from somebody who doesn't have kids. Thanks. I have a dog. <laughs> no, but you know, anyone who has kids has, has come across this where you go, man, what if I screw them up? Yeah. Right. I'm what, terrified of that. I yeah, coached kids. Yeah. What and if, I worried about that. Right. What if I screw them up? How do I screw them up, et cetera? And we'll talk to my friends because things go wrong. And then what I realized is this, it, by the way, it is very dependent on the parents. A lot that happens to a child is dependent on the parents, but it's not necessarily what they do. It's where they're coming from. What's their intent, right? So it's hard. I truly believe it's hard to screw up a kid. If you yourself are coming from a foundation of love, you might not have the knowledge you might not have agreed, you know, been raised by the best parents, whatever. But if you are coming from a true place of love, do what you want to do as long as that's your intent. And I think it will work out fairly well. Awesome. All right. We're moving on to politics. We've got a couple. Fast forward through this if you don't want to listen to it, but I think it's worth it. So question number one in politics. Well, don't fast forward. I gotta I mean, look, you and I have our beliefs, but we're not preachers. We're not we're not crazy. No. On any side of the aisle, by the sure. way. So sure. So anyways. All right. How do we cope with the present political atmosphere that exists in this country? So first thing is you have to start with a mindset. And in my opinion, to cope, you have to realize that the beauty of this country is being able to have different opinions. I mean, if you start there, if you start from the fact that we are founded on this belief that we're allowed to disagree and that it's actually hopefully welcomed, then that's a better place to start. However, I know, and look, we've made no secret about this. Like we lean a certain way, right? And I know how I felt on the night of the election. But if we don't challenge our beliefs, if we don't challenge our place in the world, if we don't have these discussions, we don't grow. And what I will say is the only people I don't truly respect are the ones that are unwilling to listen to the other side. So although I have my opinions and my friends do too, believe me, they're not all the same. 
if I, if you state your opinion and can keep a level head, then I respect that. And so the way I cope is I, the same way we cope with everything, the same way we started this podcast is I believe that information, education, and conversation is the way to get to a better future. And that's what we try and do here. Do we take a stance? Sure. Can you take a stance? Absolutely. But you have to be open. This one is so easy for me. Get involved. I think there are so many people who are passively involved in what's going on in the country. And I do think that, you know, we're in this weird time of complete divisiveness. And I I, I see like a light in this. And I see that it's going to bring people to the forefront of actually caring about things. And I'm not talking just about like general election for the country. I'm talking about more for state and local government things. There's a point where you can complain about stuff and it just becomes complaining. Or there's a point where you can complain about stuff and get involved and try to change something. I think it's super important that people get involved that they run for office if they're if they're fed up with things or they volunteer for somebody who's running for office. I think the only way that we can change things and that we can make the country better and again, not even taking a side here. If you if you're on one side or the other, you want to make the country better, like you have to get involved, you have to be part of it and you you kind of owe it to the country and each other to be part of it so that it's not just people passively sitting there and paying attention to like Instagram, Facebook, and all those kinds of things. But just get involved, do what you can, find people that are fighting for the causes that you're fighting for, fight for those causes. If not enough people agree with them, then so be it. Keep fighting for it. And at some point, maybe people will. Which guest have you had that you could bring back to help explain what is going on in our country with all the polarization and populism. Oh my God, I'm so happy that I got asked this question first because I've been thinking about this forever and I have the perfect answer Good, for it. because I haven't. Andrew Breitbart. Wow. So Just drop the mic and walk away. Here's why. Because he right? died? Well, A, he died. He passed away, right? But I, there is such a political influence right now with Breitbart in this like right-wing media stuff. I would love to ask him, is the current state of Breitbart what you imagined it to be. Did he have this thought of, he would look at Breitbart now and say, this is exactly what I was thinking when I created this. So that's my answer. I don't, I don't like the guy. I didn't like the interview. It was one. I, I remember it being one of the interviews that you and I got mad at the guest. That was really one of the only interviews that it's ever happened. But I would truly wonder is he happy with where Breitbart is today? And is he happy with the landscape that it's created? What about you? Who's the person that you would love to have back on to explain what the hell is happening? I mean, part of me wants to say Chunk from the Goonies. <laughs> so, so we had Jeff Cohen on episode 200. Dude, Jeff Cohen was such a good dude. Yeah, I mean, here's the reason. We have steered away from politics fairly often for the sole purpose that you can get politics everywhere. Like it's not a political show. I actually don't think that most people who talk about politics 
are doing it for real reasons. I think most people are doing it for ratings, for divisiveness, for all the things I disagree with. That's the exact reason that I want to talk to, uh, no, to Andrew Breitbart. I, I, no, I think, your, I think your rationale is legit. I mean, when I think back to Breitbart, we didn't have him on the show to cause headlines, to no. get an argument. I... I will say one Breitbart of the things didn't matter. Back I, then. I will. Yeah, that's true. I will say one of the things I think you and I humbly are good at, or at least uh, strive to be good at is hearing the other side. Like I, I honestly interview people to just get their smarts. I do not want to put me into the conversation. Like that's why these episodes are fun. Cause you and I actually get to talk and I can guarantee you both of us feel somewhat awkward about being the main point of this episode. Oh, absolutely. So, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, yeah. And so, my point is that if I have somebody on the show who can help me understand the other side, fine. But if they're doing it to boost their ratings, boost their website, boost their everything, that's not why I'm here. So, if I were to have to pick one, it might be somebody like Dr. Michio Kaku, episode 133, or. Louis Schwartzberg, episode 100. I mean, people that really are creatives that are so far removed from politics. So I could learn something different on how their experiences outside of politics have shaped their political views. You know what I mean? To, to add more yeah. to the conversation. Yeah. I think that would be it. All right. This wasn't planned, but let's put ourselves on the spot. Okay. I need one question from you. You'll get one question from me off top of the head. Okay. Think back to when we started the podcast, December 2010-ish? Is that what, It was October? exactly December 2010. Okay. What's the biggest difference between you at that point and you now? The easiest answer is confidence in this podcast and confidence in the abilities to do this podcast. I think about how much confidence has been brought in terms of public speaking or talking about something that I've created or... Even just doing something for seven plus years. We've done almost 300 episodes of this. I don't think that there's anything that I've ever done consistently. For seven years. I totally this long. I know. I know. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it's crazy. What about you? So if I think back 2010, I'd say it's comfort in who I am as a person. So when I think back to that, I mean, this was all sparked by really a journey of not knowing myself enough and not being prompted to know myself enough. Like we grew up in this place where you strive, but you don't inquire enough about yourself, your motivations, your life. And this podcast stepping into this was the first kind of open admission to, I want to learn more about me and the world I inhabit. And through this process, and I hope it keeps going, but I've realized the benefit of curiosity, of questioning, and of openness. And so I think now I'm comfortable in what I know and what I don't know. And back then I was uncomfortable with what I didn't know. All right. So my last question. Yeah. So it's your question. You gave the serious question, but the question that I had in my mind is, how do you feel about the Giancarlo Stanton trade? That was orchestrated. Well played, sir. Orchestrated by Derek Jeter, the new owner of the Miami Marlins, and trading it to his old team, the New York Yankees. Conspiracy, yes or no? 
No, because Derek Jeter can do no wrongs. That's, I mean, plain and simple. Let's be honest. Here's what happened, okay? Giancarlo Stanton wants to win a title. And honestly, there's no better place to give you those odds. I mean, they're going to be the odds-on favorite to win the World Series. Does that mean they're going to win? No. However, the other thing is, they have the potential to be the best duo in any sport ever. Duo? Yeah, duo. Like Duo? Like, well, I mean like Pippin Jordan or Maris and... Mantle? Mantle. Timeout. Duo. That team with Judge, Stanton, and I believe Sanchez. Yeah. Okay, trio. Fine. But St- but Sanchez is a catcher. I mean, he's great. Oh, he's sure. Great. The three of them hit 159 but, no, but he's, he's, home he's runs. He's great for a catcher. He's great. But I'm just saying, he's not... I mean, you could put 10 people above Sanchez. You can't put 10 people above Stanton and True, Judge. but I'm saying Sanchez hit a lot of home runs last year. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, fine. So you take Stanton's We're numbers. still talking duo. You take Stanton's numbers. You take Judge's numbers. And Sanchez's numbers, and just the three of them combine for more than the Red Sox, or I believe anybody else in the AL East. Not a chance. For home runs. 100%. Three versus an entire lineup? Yes. No way. 1,000%. 1,000%. No this, was, this was the stat that blew me away when I saw that that trade was made. On top of that, the Yankees are going to figure out a way to restructure that contract and get under the luxury to tax. get under the luxury tax, but I will say that the shining star here is, I think that this makes it incredibly hard for them to get Bryce Harper. So I think Bryce Harper will either stay with the Nationals or go to the Cubs. Yo, if I'm Cashman, I say I will literally dump everyone from our team. I will only start four players. I will start. One of them is going to pitch. <laughs> Bryce Harper can pitch from center field for all I care. So funny. And I will put the four of them in. Anyways, if, if anything, amazing. you just realized we love baseball. We still love baseball. Baseball's the greatest. The Baseball's greatest. been very, very good to me. All right, that's it for part one. Please stay tuned for part two of our listener questions in 2017 year in review. Hope you enjoyed it. Next one soon to come.